Now, uh, just before getting back into Genesis, I, I just want to look over a couple passages quickly, uh, ju- just to remind us of the, the importance of, of what we're studying as we'll be looking at the, the word of God and God first speaking in uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, and really, fundamentally, when, when it comes down to, uh, to salvation, uh, why humans exist, it's fundamentally to, uh, to know God. Uh, salvation is really about uh, knowing God and not just uh, knowing him uh, intellectually, but uh, being uh, restored to God, being redeemed by him, uh, becoming adopted sons and daughters so that we uh, truly know God. But in Isaiah's day, uh, the, the people did not know God. Uh, the, the nation did not know God in the 8th century B.C. Uh, and Isaiah says this, uh, starting in uh, chapter 5, verse 11. Woe to those who rise early in the morning, that they may run after strong drink, who tarry late into the evening as wine inflames them. They have lyre and harp, tambourine and flute, and wine at their feasts. But... They do not regard the deeds of the Lord or see the work of his hands. Therefore, my people go into exile for lack of knowledge. Their honored men go hungry and their multitude is parched with thirst. Uh, And so, uh, although they were going about their their days, uh, getting drunk and having parties and celebrating and enjoying music, uh, they, they never even considered uh, the person and work of God, their, their God. These were things that they, they just didn't think about. And for this, uh, they, the, the judgments came upon them that were uh, promised uh, in, in the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, and uh, Christ says in uh, John 17, uh, in his high priestly prayer, he says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they, they know you, the only true God, in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Uh, and this really reflects the, the promises uh, of the new covenant in like Jeremiah chapter 31, uh, that ultimately uh, the people, although they had rebelled against God, uh, he would give them a heart of flesh uh, and they would, uh, he'd forgive their sins and he would be their God and they would be his people. And so uh, as we're going back into Genesis, uh, we just have to keep this in mind that uh, really as we're thinking about God as creator uh, and his person and, and work, uh, that really it's, it's about uh, knowing God more uh, and not not merely uh, an intellectual exercise. And so, in the last weeks, we've looked at uh, we've looked at verses one and two. Uh, and although uh, they are part of of the first day of creation, and we can divide Genesis one up up into uh, seven parts with each of the days, uh, they provide the the introduction. Uh, giving us a, a context, the setting. Uh, we found that it's an absolute beginning of, of everything, uh, and God is introduced, and the, the heavens and the earth. And then in 
verse 2, we found that that uh, the state of the earth, that it was uh, barren and empty and that it was dark and covered in water. Uh, and so the, the rest of the events of creation and the six days are about bringing the incomplete earth uh, to its completion and removing this barrenness uh, and the, the emptiness and uh, darkness and bringing it to its, its perfect completion. And then in uh, verse 3, uh, where we'll be starting tonight, and we'll be looking at uh, day 1, verses 3 through 5, uh, this takes us away from the background information and really brings us into the, the heart of the narrative uh, where now it's going to progress by uh, resolving this, uh, I guess you could call it a problem of, of sorts, but the, the incomplete earth, bringing it uh, all the way to its completion. Uh, and then uh, the, the first day introduces uh, light and darkness, uh, night and day, evening and morning. Uh, and that is uh, going to uh, be the basis for the next six days for the, the cycle of evening and morning uh, and day. And so uh, the first day logically starts with the, the beginning of, of light because that's where everything else uh, progresses forth. And uh, then once we get to day four, we'll also see that days one and four are uh, somewhat parallel, uh, where day four, uh, again, supports uh, light and darkness and uh, day and night uh, as God uh, creates the, the sun, moon, and stars, the, the luminaries. Uh, and then with the, the result of day one, we'll see that the, the barren, empty, dark, watery uh, earth uh, is no longer uh, absolutely dark. Uh, there's now light in the creation, and so it's progressing forth. And then also with day one, uh, we'll be looking at uh, several components a little more closely, uh, components that occur in most of the, the other days as well. And so if we slow down and take a s step back and really look and understand these things, uh, then we, we can pick up the pace a little bit with, with the other days because we'll see a lot of repetition. And so we'll see, for instance, uh, a command uh, where God speaks and uh, commands, let there be light. Uh, we'll see a, a report, uh, and there was light. And then an, an evaluation where God evaluates his, his creation of light, uh, that it was good. Uh, and then we'll see an action of God separating light from darkness, uh, and then naming light day and darkness night. And so uh, in many of the days, we'll see a command, a report, an evaluation, uh, an action, uh, and naming, uh, which will conclude the first day. And then uh, just just before looking at and, and starting with uh, God's command and uh, report, uh, I'll first read uh, much of the chapter. Uh, we'll, we'll begin verse 1 and read through uh, day 4. And so you can turn there if you're not there already. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, 
and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made the two greater lights, the the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. So now we'll be looking at God's uh, first command and report, uh, where in verse 3 it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Uh, And here, uh, with with God's uh, creative word in the phrase, and God said, uh, eight different times, this is the the first of eight times that we'll see this paired with with a command in the six days of creation. Uh, And what we uh, see from this is that God's word is absolutely uh, authoritative uh, and powerful. Uh, with the, the first day of creation uh, and all of the, the other days of creation as well, we'll see that each one begins uh, with God's word of command, with God's word of exhortation. And so it's God's command and God's exhortation at the beginning of every day that drives 
uh, the, the entire narrative forward. Uh, first, God's command uh, comes, and then all of the events of creation follow it. Uh, and so it, it orders everything uh, and basically conducts uh, the whole chain and series of events showing the, the authority and power of God's word. And we also see that light in every created thing is ultimately the, the product of God's word. Uh, its very existence uh, depends on God uh, speaking it uh, into existence. Uh, and so everything from the light and the, the heavens and the waters uh, and the earth and the seas and the, the stars uh, and all of the, the animals that he creates, uh, ultimately they are created uh, and brought forth uh, by, uh, by the very uh, powerful, creative, life-giving uh, word of God. Uh, and this would not be uh, fall on, on deaf ears with uh, the Israelites. Uh, as some commentators say, and Moses says throughout the, the book of Deuteronomy, letting them know that the, the word of God is their, their very life and they're to, to live by it. And uh, even the Lord Jesus Christ says, uh, drawing from Deuteronomy, that, that man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the, the mouth of God. Uh, and so uh, here we, we see the, uh, the creative power uh, of, of God's word. Uh, and then with the, the report... Uh, where, where it says, uh, it, it reports, and there was light. What God spoke uh, came to pass. Uh, this is the, the first of seven uh, reports, as we talked about in the introduction, and we'll talk more on the seventh day. Uh, there are sevens that repeat throughout the narrative, pointing toward the, the completion. And ultimately, uh, these reports and evaluations and the days They'll ultimately reach the seventh one at the end of the sixth day uh, and with the, the completion of the, the seventh day. And we see that this, this report also reinforces uh, the, the authority and power uh, of God's word. Uh, not only does God command uh, his creation and command uh, let there be light, uh, but the creation responds immediately to its creator uh, and comes to into existence uh, and obeys the the creator's uh, voice in word uh, of command. Uh, and so, if if the creation of light and all the other things uh, in the the heavens and the earth and uh, the seas and all that are in them obey the voice of the the creator, uh, how much more should uh, man uh, obey uh, the voice and the the command in word uh, of God? And so this reinforces the, the authority and power of God's word. Uh, and also notice uh, when it says, let there be light, and there was light, uh, that as uh, John MacArthur and Jason Lyle have, have pointed out, that what God commanded took place uh, immediately, supernaturally, uh, powerfully. Uh, the, their, their whole views about creation these days and even going back to many Greek philosophers views of naturalism uh, that what we observe uh, all around us uh, is only 
nature and must be explained by natural processes, natural phenomena that we observe uh, in, in the world. But not only that, not only must what we observe in the present, uh, but the past, which we, we can't observe. Uh, the past, the, the origin of the universe, we can't uh, observe it empirically uh, with our five senses. We can't uh, repeat it. Uh, we can't verify it by our five senses. We can't test it. We can't isolate its complex variables and uh, bring them in a lab and place them under a, a microscope. Uh, the, the origin of the universe is the, the absolute uh, past and beginning of everything, and no one was there by, but God. Uh, but uh, people would even say, naturalists, and unfortunately many, uh, many Christians have adopted naturalistic thinking, that uh, not only what we observe in the present must be explained by natural processes, and if you think about that, yeah, we, we can explain a, a lot of things by natural processes uh, in the world. Uh, we're surrounded by nature, and we can uh, investigate it and observe it and learn as much as, as we can uh, to the, the glory of God. But uh, they uh, hold that we must explain the origin of the universe uh, solely by uh, natural processes and phenomena that we observe uh, in the present, here uh, and now. Uh, and that uh, is, uh, that's a, a religious belief. That's not something that they can observe. They weren't there for that. That is a philosophical uh, religious belief. Uh, and scripture uh, teaches something quite different. Uh, although, yes, there, there might have been uh, some natural processes going on as God was creating, but ultimately, uh, these are uh, immediate, supernatural, powerful works of God and God uh, intervening and creating in history. And we're going to see a series of these uh, throughout uh, the, the verses that, that follow and the days that follow. And so in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, the author of Hebrews says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Uh, and if, if you think about these things, I, I'm not really meaning to, to go into and teach all about naturalism. We, we could maybe have a worldview class about that someday, but uh, if you think about this and just think about the, the miracles in, in Scripture, Think about the, the transfiguration of Christ uh, uh, on, on the mount and of transfiguration and uh, the, the virgin birth and the, the resurrection and the, the ascension and uh, all of the, the people that he healed, uh, blind, deaf, mute, lepers, uh, storms that, that he, he stopped. Uh, there are even uh, parting of seas and uh, talking donkeys and stationary suns and floating axe heads. And if you apply naturalistic thinking uh, assumptions to these ideas, you'd have to say uh, they can't be true. God can't act in history. That's what, what they're saying. Naturalism is, is basically anti-supernatural, anti-God, anti-biblical 
uh, assumptions saying that God cannot intervene specially in his creation. Uh, and so we, we see that uh, when God commanded that these things took place supernaturally, powerfully, immediately uh, by the, the authority uh, and power uh, of his word. Uh, and then in, in the introduction, we, we touched on this, uh, but we, we see that uh, there's light uh, before the, the sun, moon, and stars, uh, and that that light uh, gave birth to a day and night and to evening and morning. And so just adding to that, I, I just have a quote by uh, John Calvin. And the first part of it, it seems like there, there might be a mistranslation or something like that. So I'll, uh, I'll just read it as is and you, you'll be able to pick it up. He says, uh, I'll paraphrase, uh, it, we think proper that uh, the light uh, by means of which the world was to be adorned with such excellent beauty should be first created. Uh, and this also was the commencement of the distinction among the creatures. It did not, however, happen from inconsideration or by accident that the light preceded the sun and the moon. To nothing are we more prone than to tie down the power of God to those instruments, the agency of which he employs. The sun and moon supply us with light, and according to our notions, we so include this power to give light in them, uh, that uh, if they were taken away from the world, it would seem impossible for any light to remain. Therefore, the Lord, by the very order of the creation, bears witness that he holds in his hand the light which he is able to impart to us without the sun uh, and the, the moon. Uh, and so we, we see that ultimately a light uh, proceeds forth from, from God uh, and from the, the work of God. And uh, as we read briefly in uh, Revelation uh, last week, that in the new heavens and the new earth, that the Apostle John says that the, the sun and the moon uh, won't give light, but ultimately uh, God uh, and the, the Lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, will be the, the source of a light. And so ultimately, light comes forth from, from God. And as scripture often says, uh, that uh, God himself is uh, characterized uh, as light. And so th that uh, brings us to the, the end uh, of uh, his uh, authoritative uh, command uh, and the report that follows. Uh, and then we'll uh, turn to uh, God's evaluation of his, his work, his creation of light. And so in verse 4, we read, And God saw that the light was good. And so, like the, the reports, uh, where we saw the first of seven reports, here's the first of seven evaluations, which will culminate in God's a very a good work. And so we're, we're building toward the, 
uh, the bringing the, the, the barren earth, uh, removing the barrenness, making it productive and uh, thriving with, with life and inhabitants. Uh, and we see that uh, light and all of the things that God created, that ultimately uh, they are good. Uh, there's nothing evil uh, or, or flawed uh, about them, and they, they reflect the, the character of the creator. I also want, want to point out quickly, I almost forgot, that uh, with these evaluations, uh, there's at least one evaluation for every, each of the six days, except for uh, day two. That's the only one missing in evaluation. And as we talked about in the introduction, that uh, Moses, uh, he likes to break the, the parallels, and so oftentimes he'll, he'll add little things uh, or omit things or maybe subtly change the, the wording or the, the, the order of, uh, of the things in each of the days. And then there's the question, what, why uh, is uh, the light good? Why does God uh, pronounce the, the light good? Now, I think really the, the first reason for this is that uh, in God's work of creation, we see that uh, the, the creation of light uh, brings, uh, brings God's work uh, one step closer to its fulfillment to its perfect end and uh, fulfilling all of its purposes uh, to make a living, thriving creation for his creatures, uh, to give humanity dominion over it with God uh, as uh, king and sovereign over uh, humanity and all of creation uh, and for, for their uh, flourishing. Uh, and so the light uh, dispels the, the absolute darkness, uh, whereas uh, there was only darkness over the earth in verse 2. Uh, now, uh, now we see that there's light. And then another reason uh, I think that uh, God declares it good is that ultimately uh, God himself is supremely good. And so each and every uh, one of God's acts of creation uh, is good. Uh, it uh, accords with the very character uh, in purposes in nature uh, of the the one who created it and so seeing seeing the the goodness of creation uh, there there have been many uh, who have mistakenly throughout history uh, pagans and people within the church actually declared uh, created and material things uh, is not good but is really being uh, evil uh, and that we should avoid them. There have been many aesthetics who have taught we should go uh, out into the, the wilderness and uh, away from all that is good and we should deny ourselves uh, food and pleasures and marriage and uh, all of these things and even beat and treat our bodies uh, harshly. But uh, Genesis really doesn't see the world that way. And the Apostle Paul says this in First uh, Timothy 4, starting in verse 1. And he'll, he'll contrast the, the, these uh, ascetic type, type people and these, these legalists with uh, God's true work of creation. He says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the later times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits 
and teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. And now we know that with Genesis 3, sin came into the world and uh, the, the curse and evil. Uh, and so now the, the creation uh, is, is cursed and there's death and suffering and cancer and thorns. And humans have a propensity to sin and to, to abuse God's good gifts and God's good creation. But still, ultimately, we know that the creation was originally uh, created uh, good uh, and that teaching, I mean, it might sound simple, but it is amazing how many people have fallen into error, not recognizing these things. And even as Paul says, uh, some will depart from the faith. Uh, these are people who claim to be Christians. These are people in the churches. Uh, and we've seen it through all of church history and also through uh, Jewish history and such. Uh, and so, it's really should be something that we absorb and recognize in our uh, worldview uh, that God, the transcendent creator, created the material universe good and one day uh, will redeem it. And uh, Kelvin uh, says uh, about, about these verses, God is introduced by Moses as surveying his work that he might take pleasure in it. But he does it for our sake, to teach us that God has made nothing without a certain reason and design. And we ought not so to understand the words of Moses as if God did not know that his work was good till it was finished. But the meaning of the passage is that the work, such as we now see it, was approved by God. Therefore, nothing remains for us but to acquiesce in this judgment of God and this admonition is very useful. For whereas man ought to apply all his senses to admiring contemplation of the works of God, we see what license he really allows himself in the detracting from them. Uh, and so we, we ought not detract from God's good creation and, and good good work, uh, but recognize the, the goodness uh, of uh, the creator. Uh, these works point us back to the, the supreme goodness uh, of, of God. So now having, having considered the, uh, God's command, uh, the, the report uh, that God's command came to be, uh, there was light uh, in God's evaluation of, of his good creation. This brings us to God's action of separating a light from darkness.
So it says, and, and God separated the light from the darkness. And th- this is an idea that we'll, we'll see repeated. Uh, the, as Matthew says, uh, the, the verb for separating appears five times on uh, days one, two, and four. Uh, and we'll also see it similarly with uh, similar ideas of, of God's, uh, God's naming uh, and creating creatures according to their kind. And really, this shows us that uh, God determines uh, the, the origin uh, or existence, uh, the, the nature and structure uh, and order and purpose of, of light and darkness and uh, all of his uh, creation. Uh, he's the one who orders reality and orders light and darkness uh, in their particular uh, domains for their particular uh, purposes and, and ends. Uh, and we see this with, uh, with light and darkness uh, in, in day one, with the sky and the waters in day two, uh, with the earth and the, the seas in day three, uh, and also with the, the, the luminaries with day four and the fish and birds and beasts and uh, man in the, uh, the final days, uh, each created according to their, their kinds, that God uh, arranges all of these things and makes the, the creation according to his will and purpose uh, in good order. He gives structure to all of the, the parts of the, the universe. And in chapters 2 and 3 of Genesis, we'll also see that uh, what is true and what is good and what is beautiful, that God uh, determines those things. And uh, to go against that is really sin, uh, to do whatever is right in our, our own eyes instead of recognizing what the, the Creator says is uh, true and beautiful and good. And uh, even the, the institution of marriage between uh, one, one man and uh, one woman, uh, which forms a husband and a wife, and then uh, mothers and fathers. Uh, that it's God who gives order to all of these things and uh, that it's, uh, it's, it's good. And really to, to rebel against that uh, is uh, it's foolish and uh, sinful and uh, only leads to uh, sin and death and uh, ultimately destruction. Uh, and we, we even see in uh, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, that he applies this imagery of light and darkness to, uh, to right and, and wrong. And he says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Uh, and so, uh, we, we see here that they're, they're confusing and mixing up what, what God has called good, they call evil. What God has called evil, they call good. Uh, and basically, you, you have sin and chaos and everyone doing what's, what's right in their, their own eyes. And uh, this is uh, comparable uh, to a, the picture of, of putting darkness for light and light for darkness. And ultimately, God is the reference point for for what is what is good in the the order of uh, creation, and then we we also see this not just with 
with God's separation of a light from darkness, but also with God's naming of light and darkness in verse 5. It says, God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And so, naming implies uh, exercising sovereignty and authority over it, and uh, even characterizing it for for what it is and uh, what its uh, purpose is. And so, uh, as Matthews and some other commentators point out, that, uh, for example, we'll see in chapter 2 that uh, Adam will... Uh, God will have Adam name the the animals that he brings before him and uh, exercise his his own uh, dominion and authority that God has given him and he'll even uh, name the uh, the woman Isha uh, woman uh, in Hebrew Ish is man and Isha is is woman uh, and then uh, parents and children or parents name their children on Probably typically children don't name their their parents. Uh, And uh, uh, also uh, God will later name and recharacterize Abraham. Uh, Instead of uh, Avram, he'll he'll call him Avraham, uh, father of of many, uh, many nations, uh, as I recall. And so it's it's God's uh, prerogative uh, to uh, to name Abraham. light and darkness as uh, day and night and to, uh, to order his creation. And uh, this is the, associated with the very cycle of the, the days and uh, weeks and in all of creation. And so Gordon Wenham in his commentary says, God names the, the heavens, the earth, uh, and the seas uh, as well as day and night. And so uh, the, the heavens in day two, in uh, the earth and seas in day three, in uh, day and night in, in day one, where we are. Uh, and then just skipping a line, he says, uh, in the Old Testament, uh, to name something is to assert sovereignty over it. Here, a darkness, though not said uh, to have been created, is still named by God. Uh, giving names also defines roles. Uh, and the naming of day and night here is an aspect of separating darkness and light. And so also we, we see uh, not just the, the role of naming and implying God's uh, authority, uh, but uh, the, the role of light uh, in, in creation and the, the, the creation week, as I uh, briefly mentioned, it, this uh, resolves the, the issue of where there was only darkness and absolute darkness over the, the earth. And uh, it, for the, the following six days, this establishes the, the cycles of evening and morning. And uh, as God will say, let the, uh, and, well, we'll say uh, the, the narrator Moses, uh, and there was evening and morning the first day, and there was evening and morning the second day, and the third day, and uh, so on. Uh, and also, a light is it's basic to uh, to life. Uh, it gives a light and warmth uh, to all of creation, and uh, even the the ancients clearly uh, understood that the the light and warmth uh, that that was necessary for uh, for for all of the environments, for the 
uh, the the vegetation and for for all of the the animals and so uh, it makes sense that God's uh, one of his first acts would be to uh, create a light and then uh, in the rest of scripture we we also see that uh, day and night is a symbolic of God's faithfulness to his uh, covenantal promises uh, to his people uh, and so in Jeremiah 33 uh, verse 17 uh, it says uh, listen we'll eventually get to the uh, the, the illustration of, of day and night it says for thus says the Lord David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel uh, in here he's Jeremiah's referring to uh, David and to the Davidic covenant, God's promises to David in Second Samuel seven, that he would give him an everlasting dynasty uh, and an everlasting throne with one always to sit on it. And these are related to the very promises of an everlasting scepter uh, in the latter days that we see in Genesis uh, forty nine, bringing about God's kingdom. And so David shall never lack a man to sit on the throne of the house of Israel. And the Levitical priest shall never lack a man in my presence to offer burnt offerings, to burn grain offerings, and to make sacrifices forever. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, if you can break my covenant with the day and my covenant with the night, so that day and night will not come at their appointed time, then also my covenant with David, my servant, may be broken, so that he shall not have a son to reign on his throne, and my covenant with the Levitical priests, my ministers. Uh, and so we see that God's covenant with the day and the night, from all, all the way back to the first day uh, of creation, this uh, endless, continuous covenant, uh, cycle that you can count on that it's it's unthinkable that God's covenant with David uh, could ever uh, be broken and ultimately yes he will have one uh, to sit on his throne and then skipping down to verse uh, 25 it says thus says the Lord if I have not established my covenant with the day and night and the fixed order of heaven and earth then I will reject the offspring of Jacob and David my servant and will not choose one of his offspring to rule over the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. For I will restore their fortunes and will have mercy on them. Uh, and so you see the certainty of God's promises going all the way back to Genesis and to the offspring of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and uh, to David, and one to rule on the throne, and to bring forth God's, God's kingdom. Uh, and ultimately, although in Jeremiah's time, judgment came on the people, uh, and in 586 BC, final destruction, a horrific destruction and bloodshed and exile came upon the people, and they were taken away by the Babylonians. Ultimately, God will restore them. He will restore the throne of David and he will uh, restore this people uh, and uh, the, the anointed king uh, will uh, reign over them. 
Uh, and we also uh, saw and mentioned earlier that uh, with day and night, uh, we, we see that the, the new heavens and the new earth, that uh, ultimately God and the, the Lamb, uh, there, there will be no night, and they will be the very source of light uh, for the, the new heavens and the new earth. And so we, we've seen the, the authority of God's uh, word of command and bringing light into existence. Uh, the, the report that it, uh, it happened, God's word came to pass and comes to pass each and, and every time. Uh, the, the evaluation of the, the goodness of God's creation and the creation of light, uh, fulfilling and uh, moving forth God's, God's work and uh, making the, the barren, a dark, empty, a watery uh, creation into a, a place that's uh, fruitful and rich and inhabited. Uh, and then his separation of day from night and uh, the, the naming uh, of, of day and night and light and darkness. Uh, and that brings us to the, the conclusion of the, the first day. Uh, and there was evening and there was morning, the first Day, uh, and so we we've really seen the uh, the the authority uh, and power uh, and the the goodness of uh, of God's uh, work uh, of of God and uh, His Word and uh, of His creation, and we'll we'll see this uh, repeat throughout the the days as we progress forward in the the coming weeks, uh, and then uh, the the first steps toward the the completion of His. His very good uh, creation. Now uh, you you can turn to uh, John chapter one. And here we'll, we'll see some of these themes again of, of God's word and uh, of, of light uh, and, and life even. And with God's creation, we know in Genesis that uh, God originally created everything very good. Uh, but uh, in the third chapter, we find that uh, Adam uh, and Eve, uh, they're deceived by the serpent, especially the woman, and uh, then Ultimately, Adam rebels uh, against God. Uh, he, he rebels against his good creator uh, and decides to uh, become autonomous, uh, independent of God, and uh, to evaluate uh, what, is, what is good and right in his own eyes. Uh, but we see a glimmer uh, of hope uh, that with the cursing of the, the serpent, that ultimately the offspring of the woman uh, will crush the serpent's head. Uh, and we, uh, as things go from, from bad to worse, uh, first they ate from the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
Uh, and then the, the next sin is the sin of murder, Cain uh, murdering his, his own brother. And then the, the earth is filled with such violence and sin that uh, God uh, declares that the thoughts and the intentions of the heart of man was only wicked continuously. And so he wipes them all out, but shows favor on Noah, uh, preserving the offspring of the, the woman that one day, ultimately, he will vanquish the, the enemy of man, the, the deceiver, the serpent. Uh, and then with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, we see further promises that uh, ultimately, through their offspring, God is going to bless their offspring. Uh, and he's going to not only bless their offspring, but all of the world. And he's bringing forth uh, an everlasting uh, king and a, a kingdom, a, a dynasty and a, a throne, uh, which we see glimpses of uh, even earlier, but definitely uh, in Genesis uh, 49. Uh, and then uh, coming to the, the New Testament, uh, we find that the, the anointed one, uh, the, the king who's anointed by the Spirit of God, has come. Uh, and because all men have rebelled against God, and the wages of sin uh, is death, not only death in this life, but ultimately uh, eternal death and eternal destruction uh, when God judges the, the thoughts and the intentions of man's heart. Uh, ultimately, he sent forth the, the, the chosen one who would bring uh, salvation uh, to uh, all who, uh, who turn from their sins and trust in him. And so with John, we, we see a lot of language that's uh, very similar to, to Genesis 1. Uh, and he, he opens saying, in the beginning was the word. Uh, and so here we're, we're back at the, the beginning, but now nothing is created, but you only have the, the word of God. Uh, and whereas uh, in Genesis, uh, God's word uh, was uh, the, the instrument that he, he used. He, he commanded and the creation stood forth. We see here that uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the second person of the Trinity, is the word of God. He's the one through whom uh, the Father created the universe. He's the one through whom a God uh, reveals himself to his people and reveals salvation. Uh, if you want to know what God is like and what the Father is like, all you have to do is look at the person of Christ uh, and you see him uh, walk and talk and you, you see his attitudes and how he acts and behaves. Uh, and there you see the very uh, character of God. You, you see the, 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 the person and work of God at, at work. Uh, but he also, uh, he's not just God, but as we'll see, uh, he became incarnated. He, he took on flesh. He took on humanity. Uh, and so John says, uh, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, and so we see that uh, he was preexistent, and he, he was God, but he's also a distinct from God, he was he was with God, and at the same time, uh, he is uh, God. He is the one true God, uh, and 
John ties this up in, in a neat little bow uh, in verse 3 when he says, uh, all things were made, or no, uh, verse 2, he was in the beginning uh, with God. And so the, the pre-existent word who existed with God and as God for all eternity, he was in the beginning with God. Uh, and he, he goes to show this. He's the uncreated creator saying, all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And now, I, I think as like Matthews, I, I think here we're, uh, we're starting to get to the incarnation uh, where uh, the, the one who preexisted from all eternity as God and with God uh, came in uh, to his own creation. And we see that although uh, men uh, were, were in darkness and the, the earth is characterized by, by darkness, that he's the light uh, that comes into creation. And we'll, we'll see John soon uh, develop these ideas uh, that ultimately uh, you find life and light uh, with the, the Son of God uh, and with him and him alone uh, is salvation. He is the, the hope of humanity uh, and he's the one uh, who, uh, who uh, declares, uh, declares that he is the, the, the light of the, the world. And so the, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, and so now we're, we're back with, with Christ, which enlightens uh, everyone, or literally uh, every man. Uh, this says was coming into the world. That's not a good translation. Uh, should be more uh, the, the true light, uh, which enlightens uh, everyone or every man coming into the world. Uh, and here it's talking about his, his incarnation, his coming into the world uh, that uh, in his coming, uh, the true light, uh, that he enlightens uh, every man uh, as he is uh, before them uh, in his coming in, in his incarnation. And it, it doesn't mean uh, every last person who has ever existed and come into existence and all of history since the beginning of creation to the end of creation. No, uh, it's in his incarnation and in the men who saw the light, who saw the Lord Jesus Christ walking before them. Uh, and we see uh, he was in the world and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, so his own people, the, the Israelites, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will 
of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Uh, and so here, those, those who receive him, uh, those who are the ones who trust in him and believe in him, that they uh, become uh, the, the children, the adopted sons and daughters of God. Uh, they, they become heirs to eternal life. They're the ones who are, uh, you could say, born from above uh, or uh, born again. Uh, they're spiritually born uh, of God and become adopted sons and daughters. Uh, but we see that this is uh, not uh, of blood, uh, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but it's God. Uh, when someone does, and all are called uh, to, uh, to repent and believe, uh, all are invited to, uh, to, to, come, uh, to come to this one uh, and to receive him and to, uh, to turn from your sins and uh, repent and believe. And uh, now is the day of salvation. Now is the day to trust in Christ. But anyone who does trust in Christ, uh, ultimately, this is by the will of God. Uh, it's God who gives the new birth. It's God who raises the spiritually dead uh, to a spiritual life. And then just briefly, I, I want to show you in uh, chapter 3. We're, we're going to see these ideas uh, again. Maybe we just have enough time to, uh, to read through this. We'll start verse 1. Uh, and actually, a string right before it, uh, it says, But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. Uh, and we'll see that he knows what's in Nicodemus. Uh, he knows what's in man. As we get to the the end of this, we'll we'll again see this idea of a light in in darkness, and that ultimately Christ is the the true light, the the one who is the. Uh, the incarnate word, the, the word who existed eternally with God and as God, uh, but took on a human flesh. Now, there is a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, and now in Greek, there's probably a word play here uh, where you can take this as, uh, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born, uh, you could take as from above or uh, again. And it's probably Jesus is saying, born from above. He's the one who comes from above, and it's the Spirit who comes from above and blows wherever he wishes. Uh, and so he's probably saying from above, but uh, there's going to be wordplay uh, between Nicodemus and, and Jesus in the, the following 
following lines. Uh, and so, whereas Nicodemus uh, says, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Uh, Jesus uh, changes the, the subject. He, he redirects it uh, to the, the weighty issues uh, of the, the new birth, uh, which we find in the, the Old Testament. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Uh, and so Nicodemus probably gets what's going on, but he's, he's playing with it. What are you getting at? I need to be born from above or, or born again. What, what are you talking about? Uh, and so uh, in verse 5, uh, Jesus uh, responds, uh, Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Uh, and this is drawing from Ezekiel 36, talking about how God would uh, cleanse the people uh, and that he would uh, regenerate them and, and renew them. And so these are the promises of the, the new covenant uh, and the, the hope of the, the kingdom that Jesus is talking about. He's saying, you need a new heart. You have a heart of stone. You need a heart of flesh. Uh, otherwise, you're not going to see the kingdom and you're not going to enter into it. Uh, and now he's going to say that it's a supernatural divine work of the spirit to, to give a heart of flesh to, uh, to those with stony hearts. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so we, we see the sovereign uh, Spirit, and uh, uh, again, there's a wordplay because uh, uh, pnevma uh, can mean both uh, wind and, and spirit and, and breath uh, in Greek. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Uh, and so he's uh, telling him uh, earthly things and giving him earthly illustrations uh, about the need of, of being born again and about the, the wind. And Nicodemus doesn't even uh, believe that. And so how, how can he believe these, these heavenly things? Uh, and we also see he's the one who comes from, from heaven, like we saw in chapter 1 and uh, became incarnated. And he comes with the, the truth and the, the revelation of God. Uh, and 
uh, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Uh, there's one time when the Israelites sinned against God, uh, and so God struck them with a plague of uh, poisonous, fiery serpents, and uh, there, there are many who are dying off. Uh, but uh, he commanded Moses to, to lift up this serpent, and if they would look upon it uh, and trust God that if they looked upon it, that God would not strike them and that they, they would live. Uh, he would have have mercy on them and they would live. And so as Moses lifted up the, the serpent in the wilderness, which, by the way, uh, Josiah, the king, eventually destroyed because the Israelites uh, began to, to worship uh, this, this image uh, in the, the centuries that, that followed and all their idolatry. Uh, so must the Son of Man be be lifted up uh, in in his crucifixion that uh, whoever or literally uh, everyone who believes in him uh, may have uh, eternal life he's the very source of eternal life and uh, we see uh, see the the support of this saying for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever or literally everyone who believes in him uh, should not uh, or everyone believing him uh, should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Uh, our very sins condemn us. And so if you don't believe, uh, in the only Savior and the only mediator between God and man, uh, you're you're condemned already uh, for for your sins. Uh, and this is the judgment: the light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. Uh, and we see just the wickedness and natural state of man uh, to to love their their wicked works. Uh, and to not come to Christ, not to come uh, to the light. Uh, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. And so here again we see that it's it's ultimately the work of God in the life-giving spirit uh, that uh, that causes this, the, the one to, to come into the light and to, to come and to uh, receive eternal life uh, from from the Savior. And it's not because there was uh, some, some island of goodness or righteousness within them, uh, be, but because they have been born uh, by the very will of God. Uh, their stony heart has been removed uh, by the life-giving work of the Spirit, uh, and because uh, that it, so that it may be clearly seen that His works have been carried out uh, in God. Uh, and the, although many people uh, love to quote uh, one of the most popular verses in all the Bible, and it's a, a wonderful verse for uh, for for any sinner uh, and recognition that that God uh, saves and welcomes sinners. Uh, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that uh, everyone believing in him 
uh, should not perish but have eternal life. Uh, in John 3.36, you, you don't hear this one quoted too much, and you don't see football players wearing it as their face paint. Uh, but John the Baptist says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Uh, and so uh, this is uh, really the, the truth uh, that ultimately God has sent his, his Son as the, the, the light of the world. Uh, as we saw the, the powerful creation of light by the, the word of God in the original creation, uh, here we see the, uh, the, the word of God, the one through whom God created all things, and, uh, and the one who, who reveals the, the Father uh, ultimately. Uh, he is the, the true light uh, that comes into the world uh, and uh, brings uh, salvation. And uh, for those who, who repent and turn from their sins, uh, they will uh, inherit uh, eternal life and the, the new heavens and the new earth and God's eternal eternal kingdom where there will be no darkness, but uh, the God uh, and the Lamb will be, be the source of light. Uh, but whoever does not obey the Son uh, shall not see life, but the wrath of God uh, remains uh, on him. And so those are uh, very weighty words to, uh, to end on and to, uh, to think about uh, that we're dealing with uh, eternity here. And so uh, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and that you've revealed these things uh, to us. Uh, there's really no way that we could know about the the beginning of the the creation of the uh, the universe. Uh, all that we would know is what you've revealed through your creation uh, to to all people, to the uh, simple and to the intelligent and Really, it takes no, uh, no, no great intelligence to know your general revelation to all people that uh, you are the the one true living God. That you created all things, uh, that you are all powerful, that you are uh, eternal, uh, and that you've written your law on our hearts, and that uh, all of us have have broken and sinned against you and uh, ultimately as I remember I think hearing John Piper say once before that uh, ultimately uh, in order to to condemn sinners all that you have to do is to like in Romans chapter 2 is just to let our consciences take the witness bench and to testify against us uh, for we have we've all violated our consciences that the the law that you've written on your heart is uh, calloused uh, as we can become uh, to your law and uh, as much as we can sear our consciences uh, ultimately uh, our conscience even testifies against us but I thank you that uh, you've sent your son uh, into the world in real 
space, time, and history that uh, his coming was promised for him so long ago and that uh, he is really the, the light of the world and uh, the, the hope of uh, any and every sinner who will turn from their sin and uh, trust in him. And I just thank you for your word and that you've uh, revealed these things. And I pray that you would uh, open our hearts and minds to understand your word and uh, that uh, to know your word better, to know you and to know your son and that we desire to give you all uh, thanks and praise and that we would uh, trust you in all things. And so uh, we thank you for all of these things and pray that uh, ultimately your son would reign and that your kingdom would come. And uh, it's in his name that we pray. Amen.